and welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Catholics. This week, we are going to be finishing up our series on How I Met My Spouse, Um, If you haven't listened to those episodes, the last three episodes, Annie, Lauren, and I, I'm Stacy, have told our stories about how we met our spouse. And in this episode, um, Alicia is going to share how she met her husband. So hi, I'm Alicia. (laughs) Yeah, so my husband and I, we first met back in college and met in a sociology class and I walked in and sat down next to him and didn't know anybody in the class started talking to the girl next to me and um I yeah didn't really talk to him or anything talking to boys made me nervous and so (laughs) I think at one point I feel so bad saying this you know because she's never gonna know who she is or whatever but um the girl next to me I, I our our personalities did not click well I was not enjoying my time sitting in that seat, so I was thinking about moving seats. And there was a really cute boy up at the top that sat all by himself. But again, I got nervous being around boys, so I decided not to actually move. I thought about it, but decided not to. So I stayed there. And anyways, um, eventually, um, my husband, he started talking to me. I start, I can't remember who initiated. But um, we started chit-chatting, and uh, we became friends. And uh, we have this ongoing, I think I've told you this, Stacy, but we have this kind of ongoing feud between the two of us because when I sat down, I was single when I got into the class. And, but he thought uh, through a conversation I had with the girl next to me that I was in a relationship with somebody. So he says <laughs> that he thought I was cute and he wanted to talk to me because according to him, he went to college so that he could find a girlfriend and then he was done. <laughs> he didn't care about the education. He's like, I'm good. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so he he thought I was cute, wanted to talk to me, thought I had a boyfriend, so he didn't want to, you know, get in that. And so he was like, oh, the girl next to me. You know, I'll talk to the other girl next on the other side of me. I'll talk to her. And, um, you know, he talked to her for a bit, but she shot him down, I think, pretty brutally. And uh, anyways, we, we have this feud that, like, he says that, you know, I was his first choice. I'm like, whatever, I was your second pick. You were hitting on the girl next to you, and she turned you down, so now you're coming after me. But, um, yeah, we started chit-chatting and became friends. And, um, yeah, I think from there I, I started liking him, and I think he started kind of liking me, but we didn't really say anything to each other, and I was nervous about, um, like, trying to hang out with him and stuff or, like, you know, trying to initiate anything. So I finally built up the courage one day, and I was like, I was, I'm just going to ask him to hang out with me and just as friends, and that was, like, terrifying enough for me on its own so I finally built up the courage and I went up to him one day um, met him before class and I was like you know just about to ask and he was like guess what happened what he's like I have a girlfriend and it was like (laughs) it was like a pause where like I like my brain just shut down for a second and I was like well that you know gets in the way of things and so I kind of like paused for a minute and then I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so happy for you. What's her name? What does she do? Where does she live? And he started telling me about her. And, um, yeah, apparently 
he went home that day and said something to his friends, his roommates, about how he had told me and like he thought I seemed a little bit upset about it. And so he, you know, yeah, he saw that a bit. But anyways, we started, start, still started hanging out and stuff and she was out of state and he's, you know, a loyal guy or whatever. So there was nothing between us at all except for friendship. But I was mean and bitter. <laughs> so I was making fun of her. <laughs> I was. I was such a jerk face. And uh, so I, I caught myself making fun of her at one point. And I was like, all right, I can't do that anymore because that's just me. And it's his girlfriend. But um, anyways, I didn't know how long their relationship was going to go on. I wasn't going to be like, you know, the quote unquote homewrecker. So I just left a little alone. And I was like, you know, I need to get rid of these feelings so they don't have them anymore. Because I don't know, maybe they might get married one day. Who knows? Yeah, just started hanging out as friends and he started liking me a bit more and I was still liking him. And then if you hear yelling and screaming, it's because our kids are playing and they're feral. <laughs> this is true. We just, <laughs> Stacy and I just both stopped and like, because we heard like some horrible screaming or something. And we like checked for a second to make sure nobody was dying. Was that dying. good screaming or bad screaming? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, should we stop the recording or do we just let them do their thing? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, they dated for, I can't really remember how long. It was a couple weeks or a couple months or something like that. And we got to hanging out. And then and then when I finally had the opportunity, I completely messed it up. Because <laughs> I had distrusted men. I had had bad experiences with boyfriends in the past who were just mean. So I went over to his house one day for a party. And he, makes, he made me a screwdriver. And... Um, I didn't know it at the time, but like when, when Derek makes screwdrivers, like he makes you a screwdriver, like it's not a puny little thing. Like you better have you know, like high tolerance for alcohol. And so, and so it was like, you know, three fourths alcohol and like one fourth orange juice. Yeah. And so I took a drink of it and he was kind of like leaning in on me and like, you know, kind of, you know, just being a little more touchy feely than normal and stuff. And I like took a drink and it was like super, super vodka-y or was it vodka? It was a screwdriver. Yeah. I know nothing about alcohol. I don't remember. <laughs> but uh, I took that to mean that he must be a scumbag and he was trying to take advantage of me. Should I include that in this? <laughs> Is that... <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't. So, no, that was not the case. He just... <laughs> that was not the case at all. That was just how he made screwdrivers. Yeah. Like, that's how he made them for absolutely everybody all the time. And he had... He was a very, very, very good guy. And so that was not his personality whatsoever to be somebody to take advantage. But come to find out that night, or it was like, I think it was that night, he had dumped his girlfriend so that he could go out with me because he could ask me out. So, yeah, the next day when I talked to him, I confronted him and I was like, you tried to get me drunk and you were just, you know, trying to use me. And he was like, no, no, I wasn't like, I don't know where you got this idea from crazy person. And, uh, anyways, come to find out he wasn't. And I just distrusted him a lot. And, uh, I was super embarrassed about it. And I don't remember when I found out maybe it was that, that next day that I found out that he had broken up with his girlfriend for me. Uh -huh. But anyway, so I, I, I thought I completely messed up that whole opportunity. And I, I just, you know, resigned myself to, you know, just being a failure with regard to that. But I apologized and he, you know, was nice about it. And anyways, we, um, I can't remember in a couple of days or something, we started dating. So we started dating and over the course of, I think it was six years that we were dating, it was actually fairly volatile. Like it was not nice and volatile. Like I don't mean like physically or anything, like there was never abuse involved, but like 
Um, I was very emotionally chaotic. I have no idea why this man decided to stay with me because I was, because I was absolutely. And so, yeah. So over the course of the six years that we were dating, it was fairly volatile in that I was very, I was just very emotional. Like I attached so much meaning to every emotion that I had that I, oh gosh, I broke up with him. I don't know how many times and God bless that man. He just, he, from what he says, he says that he knew that we were meant to be together. He knew this is what God wanted for him. And so he, when Derek gets on something and he knows that this is what he wants, this is what's meant for him. He does not give up. He persists and persists. And so much at the detriment of him, unfortunately, but, um, he will say when I tell this story, he will defend himself by saying he did break up with me once because he's proud of this. He's like, he's like, he's like, she was so mean to me and she broke up with me so much, so many times I broke up with her one time. And apparently I don't remember this, but apparently he told me at that time, it's not me. It's you. <laughs> I personally don't remember this. <laughs> It's the other way around. But I mean, honestly, it was me. So I totally get it. But anyways, so so it was something that when we finally did decide to get married, um, like we we got together one last time. It was after I had my conversion to Catholicism. (laughs) And um, we were just friends for a little while. We started talking. We Sorry. After my conversion to Catholicism, we had spent a lot of time apart and not talking to one another. And then we started talking again after my conversion and we stayed friends for a while um, and then decided to get back together. And we both agree that that was it. This is the final deal. Like it, it cannot go on back and forth like it has because otherwise, I mean, it's just too much time wasted. And so knowing that it was something that like I, we would get into an argument or something would happen where I would have like a feeling of, you know, doom between us, or maybe we're not meant to be together or whatever. And where I would normally react to that and be like, Oh, I have to break up with him. When I would have that feeling or that reaction, I'd have to like stop and think about it and be like, okay, this is it. So if I break up with him, I'm never, I'm never seeing him again. So I, so I think for me, it was a, it was in large part, that attachment to feelings and then also like a deep, deep, deep fear of commitment. And, um, and there a lot went into that. I won't go into all of that, but a lot went into that fear of commitment. And when I finally realized though, that like, that was, that was it. And if I broke up with them again, I would never see them again. Like it was kind of a, it was a reality check for me, I think. (laughs) And that he deserves so much better. Um, and so anyways, eventually we, we did get married and I don't think anybody actually thought we were going to make it. I think basically everybody thought it was a bad idea in part because I almost ran out of my own wedding. <laughs> I was so terrified that what if I was going to be miserable? What if I was going to make him miserable? All these things or whatever. I was just terrified. And I, I, they told me it was time to go up and I was like, no, I'm not going up there. But thankfully my, um, uh, a, a friend, of his family came down and she talked to me just very calmly and you know, asked me, do you love him? And I said, yes, I do. And he was, you know, do you, um, do you want to be with him? I said, yes, I do. And she's like, okay, then you're like, God, take care of the rest. And it was just like a calming moment for me of like, stop focusing so much on myself and my fear 
and worrying and stuff and just focus on the fact that like God put us together and <coughs> pardon me. And you know, he will carry us through whatever it is that we need to get through, you know, in our married life. And we decided well before, um, that day, that day of our marriage, that, um, that this uh, was it. Like either we were going to be miserable together for the rest of our lives, or we were going to be happy together for the rest of our lives. We better work on it. And if we're going to get married, we better be serious because there is no out. Um, cause for me, like, I don't see, and I think, I think this is fairly consistent with Catholic teaching is unless there is some kind of abuse going on, I'm staying in. Like, that's it. And so it's my feelings about whether or not I'm happy do not dictate whether or not I should or ought to keep my vows. Like, it's you keep your vows for better or for worse. And so <laughs> um, I think that's part of what scared me. <laughs> but like, but anyway, so, and so yeah, we got married and um, it's been, you know, we've had our ups and downs, of course, and stuff in those times when we have won it out. Both of us, I think, have had those times when we both wanted out. But it's been beautiful that, you know, when we've actually stuck together and we worked through it together, even if we give each other a break and we don't talk to each other for a week or something, like how that, that bond has strengthened over time. Um, and how we both like kind of worked on ourselves and tried to be a better spouse to one another because really the goal is to get the other person to heaven. Mm -hmm. And I think in large part that has to do with also fostering a sense of joy and peace of fulfillment as much as we can be fulfilled here on earth. We really tried hard in our marriage to, to humble ourselves, I think, so that we think less of ourselves and more of the other person. And we have not always done the greatest job at that. <laughs> I know for a fact I have not. And, um, and I, I just remember recently, I can't even remember what it was, but it was on Facebook and there was a woman asking, there's been a lot of these posts about, you know, being married and wanting to get out, wanting divorce and someone like, you know, Catholic women's, um, groups. And I can't remember exactly what she was asking, but she was asking for, with regard to her and her husband. And, um, so, but in response, I was trying to communicate that, I guess just like the importance of the sanctity of marriage, because it seems like right now in our society and for a long time in our society, it's if I feel a certain way, if I don't feel loved, if I don't feel loving towards my spouse, then I have the right then to get out, you know, and sometimes there are more severe cases like of infidelity um, or somebody just not treating you very well. Maybe they're using harsh words with you and that can be abusive and that is wrong. Absolutely. But I think too easily in our society, people get out of marriage and it has created this epidemic and this crisis in our society of the family just being broken apart. And like I said, like I, I'm not saying I, I did not say in the least that my marriage is perfect or that, you know, it's just been, you know, rainbows and butterflies the whole time. Like I said, like we've wanted out before, but I don't think that Christ intended for marriage to be something that's easy, like our society thinks that it ought to be. Um, he didn't, he, he knew that this was a cross, like in large part, marriage is a cross and it's hard. And um, there were so many people in the post and the comments and stuff saying, well, you know, all these worries that you have about marriage. Oh, I, I, I think it was her boyfriend. I'm sorry. She wasn't her husband. But anyway, all these um, concerns that you have about your future spouse, that little, those, all of those will be mitigated by just finding the right man. 
And I'm like, and she was talking about things like, um, like betrayal and like unkindness and unwillingness to communicate and things like that. And I have found that you can find an amazing man. You can find, you know, men can find an amazing woman and they can be really good people, right? And they can be somebody that you just connect with and all of that stuff and they make you happy and all that stuff. In your marriage, you are going to feel betrayed. You are going to betray them. You are going to be unwilling to communicate in that times and they're going to be unwilling to communicate. Like you're going to break their heart and your heart is going to be broken. And I think that anybody who has been in marriage long-term and has stuck with it. I mean, anybody who's been married at all knows that this is the case. <laughs> but anybody who's been in marriage long-term and stuck with it knows about the ups and downs and how heartbreaking and betraying it can be because that's the person that you're most intimate with, right? Like you've been most vulnerable and most intimate with that one person. So they are they are going to be the person that can break your heart more than anybody else can. Especially, you know, it takes two to tango when both spouses finally come to a place where they realize how much they need each other. Um, just in that it's, it's a marriage needs those two people in order to be able to work. Beautiful things can come out of it. Um, I, like I said, I know that, you know, with my husband and I, we've had those very tumultuous times in our marriage. And when we finally come together to work together with it to, you know, one or both of us humble ourselves and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong or, um, you know, choose to forgive the other person and recognize that we need to work on it, then the, the strengthening that comes out of that is just, it's beautiful. But again, it, like, it's just, it's work. It's work in marriage, work. In, and I, I think that, and the reason why I bring up so much that, you know, marriage is work and there is suffering in it, but then there is so much joy in it as well as because of how our society is. And I think we throw away marriage um, far, far, far too easily. Um, you know, there are places where, you know, you can sign a two-year marriage contract and at the end of the two years, if you still want to get married, then you can renew that contract, you know, and I don't, and I think that it's really undermined what it is that marriage is supposed to be, um, you know, it's supposed to be a lifelong commitment because it brings, oftentimes, it brings children into the mix. And when you have families who are, all of them are constantly breaking apart, then it creates this new generation that is, has that that sees that as a commitment that's not actually a commitment. It's just, you know, it's just a piece of paper mm. and, and all of that. And so I just want to highlight how important it is, I think, to before you get married to not have an out, you know, like the only out that I think there should be is in the case of abuse. And so with that being said, I know that emotional abuse or verbal abuse can be just as damaging as physical abuse. And there's different levels to it. And so there could be... You know, it could be very minimal where you just don't really like the what the way he talks to you, like when he gets angry all the way up to he's constantly putting you down, telling you you're not enough. You know, just it's a miserable day every single day. And, you know, there's just no love there in the marriage from him at all. And I think that's really a time when it's a discernment between you and God to go, OK, God, what what should I do here? Yeah. You know, is this something and save our marriage? Yeah, do I yeah. need to go to a retro, uh, what is it called? Retrovelli? Retrovelli. Yeah, for it's that marriage encounter. Like, oh, okay, like yeah. some kind of a marriage encounter. Uh -huh. Yeah, like, so can we work on our marriage? Can we do this? Can I, is it something that I can stay and I can, you know, dedicate myself to praying for our marriage and controlling my response to him? Or is this something that's more severe? 
and um, you know, it's damaging myself, it's damaging my children who are seeing this happening to me, those kind of things. And so I think there's definitely levels, it's definitely a discernment thing um, that should take place. Because um, abuse is never okay. No, Something ever. has to change and then, yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely, I completely agree with you. And so, um, yeah, with all of that said, I guess that was, those are, those are some lessons, I guess, that I've, not the, you know, abusive part, because it's never been abusive to me, thank goodness, but all the rest of it, it's just, it's, those are the lessons that I've learned from my, my husband is that, you know, and our relationship is how much, I think, vulnerability you have to have with your partner, and um, the commitment that you have to have, you know, trying, doing your best, and, you know, as you grow, you're going to learn new things about your partner that you're not going to like <laughs> some things you're going to love yeah. some things you're going to go oh my gosh <laughs> if only i knew before i got married but um you know being willing to go through marriage with them through the ups and downs and all of that i think could really if people focus um focus on trying to make that their goal in their marriage and not just making each other happy then I think that our society would be a much more stable place and a beautifully stable place because family would be at the center. And as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Join us again in two weeks. Until then, may God bless you and may Mary accompany you. Coffee and Catholics is a proud partner of the Smart Catholics Podcast Network. Find new shows to love, meet like-minded Catholics, and join the community at smartcatholics.com.